0: It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitten Madness. And here he goes, defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games all across the Mitten State. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dajon
1: Hughes. Hello there, welcome into Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. I'm Jacob Harrison, brand manager of BCK. That is DeSean Hughes brand manager of the block, 102.5, 104.9, there in Battle Creek. A whole lot is going on. I mean, now college basketball has gotten started. We're trying to figure out how in the world we fit everything going on in the world of sports in the state of Michigan into an hour-long show, but we're going to do our best before we get started on some of that. DJ, how's it going, man? I'm great. How are you? Honestly,
2: I'm not. Uh (laughs) This week is scary (laughs) for so many reasons. Like you said, college basketball has started. I don't know what to think of Michigan yet. Green Bay plays your Steelers this weekend. Michigan plays Penn State. I'm just in shambles because this weekend could be very rough. But I found the key to my fantasy team. Green Bay win means a fantasy loss. So I may be picking the Steelers later today <laughs> because I want to finish you win more than anything.
1: Yeah, well, uh, uh, we'll have some fun in picks today. That's for sure. Uh, my Steelers take on DJ's Packers and we've got some other big games as well. And uh, I think we'll we'll also try to maybe brainstorm a couple more ideas. You can always throw in those ideas of, of what we're actually playing for in the chat feature on WBCK's app uh, available on Apple and Google Play wherever you get your apps. So let's get started with uh, the biggest piece of news in our state when it comes to any type of athletics, and it is the continued saga of the Michigan sign-stealing thing, which is – so exhausting at this point uh there's a reason we only kind of talk about it every other week it's because we're kind of done with it uh because it's silly and we're at that point where it's just waiting for the investigation to be done um recently the university of michigan uh, on the athletic department delivered a 10-page response to the big 10 conference urging uh, it's commissioner and the investigators to, uh, or excuse me, the conference as a whole rather to hold off on passing judgment toward the Michigan Wolverines football program until the final results of its own or more appropriately, uh, this being quoted, the NCAA investigation are officially announced. And I see, I'm not seeing it in, uh, the article from Adam Rittenberger on uh, ESPN right now, but I've seen kind of the the language of if you come after Michigan before understanding what the process of all of this is, you may be missing out on the finer point that sign stealing and the culture kind of surrounding it, for lack of a better term, is much more prevalent than I think the NCAA is aware of. And we've talked about it at nauseum is at the end of the day, There is very little difference between sending somebody to a stadium to record something on a phone and accessing the all 22 tape that everybody gets that is recorded in high definition for these power five programs where you could zoom in on these same things. Uh, And at the end of the day, there is so much that any team can do to sway these things and change their signs. And we've talked about it a great, great deal. Uh, But I think... Last time we talked about this, I told you about how as an Alabama fan watching the Auburn Tigers get in trouble a lot because they get in trouble a lot. What they've always done to the NCAA is say, prove it. Prove that I actually did something wrong and prove that what I done wrong is not something that is prevalent throughout the sport. They do it all the time and it keeps them out of trouble and it's wildly impressive (laughs) how that works. Michigan is doing the same thing here and I'm proud of them for it. They're fighting back against just a stupid thing and saying, look, these other schools have our stuff too. What do you think we should do? We're not going to go in... Short-handed ourselves. Look at the entire conference here. Does what we're doing look a little slimy? Yes, but when everybody's slimy, you got to be a little bit slimy to compete. That, I mean, that's how recruiting works, dog. Like, I love the way Michigan is fighting back against the Big Ten, the NCAA, and everybody involved. Uh, even though they, they did have to take $55,000 off their payroll by letting Connor Stallions go. I don't think at the end of the day, any of that, particularly matters. I like the way Michigan's fought back on this. I'm glad
2: you brought it up. I was waiting for you to do that. They had more than just Michigan signs. They paired the signs up with exact (laughs) plays. Like Rutgers and Ohio state got together and said, okay, when they did this, what happened? Oh yeah, that happened to me too. Let's make an entire document telling Purdue right before the big 10 championship, what they're doing so that they don't go to the college football playoff.
1: I mean, that is so Ohio State worse. can get in. And
2: guess what? Ohio State still got in. It's so stupid.
1: That is it's way so worse, too, by it, the way. It, it, the collusion. Literally. Collusion is way worse than sign stealing. Because so everybody sign steals.
2: Collusion with another team to then give to another team the exact plays. Not yeah. even just the signs, but the exact plays that go with that sign. That's so different.
1: I mean... Coaches talk there's a fraternity with coaches coaches talk about opposition and schemes and what other teams do and that's completely fine. And if uh, if Purdue's coaches are talking to Ohio State's coaches, whatever that mixture looks like and they're like, well, what did you see when when Michigan did this formation or whatever and you're you're comparing notes that's completely fine. That's not collusion, but two teams coming together to build out a a you know, a lineup, a a a spreadsheet of how to beat another team in a championship game that neither of them are involved in. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. Um and that deserves much more attention and much more uh scrutiny than anything Michigan has faced over the past several weeks over this silly thing that yes again it looks slimy, but it's not slimier than everything else and I, and i know there's 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 probably a Michigan state fan listening right now that is saying well if if you know if your friends jump off a bridge or you follow in suit no, this is college football yes i and am, if first you off. Yes. If you are naive about college football and you think that certain programs are clean and certain ones are not, I'm here to tell you as a graduate of the University of Alabama that is, that is seeing the way that that is operated, not every rumor that you think about the, the dirtiness of college football is true, but it is so much more prevalent than you may believe. And it's not just the elite of the elite. These programs are taking every single advantage they can because guess what? Football is not just a game of inches on the field. It's a game of inches off the field, especially in college football. And there is so much money that goes into making sure that certain programs are good. Certain programs are watchable. College football is one of the slimiest sports out there right next to college basketball. I think college basketball is is significantly slimier in in its recruiting process. It is. I've oh, I've okay. heard okay. I was uh, I was
2: wondering where you were going in in that, recruiting? But, yes. Oh, yeah, cuz there's just not
1: as many roster spots. Yeah, so it, you have to do what you have to it's do. It's nasty in college yeah. basketball recruiting, but yes. across the board, college football is just a nasty sport. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. That doesn't mean that it's unethical or whatever. It's the nature of things and it's And it's the reason the nature of that exists is because of what the NCAA is and how awful the NCAA has always been in its 100 plus year existence of of trying to manage something as hands off as possible. Because the NCAA lacks any amount of structure, that's why things like this are permeated to happen. And it's why, when things like this happen in the NFL, it's quickly shut down because the NFL has structure and rules and and things in place and and is constantly evolving the way that it handles these types of things. The NCAA has never cared.
2: It ain't their job to care, in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs>
1: it, 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 I mean, I, I'm going to sound real radical here, but uh, abolish the NCAA. I've got no love-loss form, I and don't I don't think, think they serve a purpose whatsoever except to ensure that the games are played. I don't think that's radical at all. I think,
2: <laughs> I think most people are along yeah. the
1: abolish the NCAA trains. So yeah, I mean, we, unless they wanted okay to, to completely revamp and to actually structure things, and huh? they would never do that. Okay. Oh, That was the the reason for the huh. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You're just talking now. Yeah. (laughs) And and my big thing with this is you talked about the letter from, you know, the the lawmakers and everything. I agree with them just to an extent of what it seems like is going to happen is if anybody does get anything, it'll be Jim Harbaugh. I'm cool with that. Or any other coaches, cool, whatever. Don't blame the kids for something that they – didn't have anything to do with. I shouldn't call them kids because they're just as old as I am. Don't don't blame the athletes for anything that they don't have control over. They didn't... This wasn't their doing. They just went out and played football like every other football player in the country. So don't punish them for something that they can't control.
1: And that is something that the NCAA has struggled with mightily throughout its entire tenure. I mean, look at who Michigan is playing this week, Penn State, and how colossally they screwed that up. And And yeah... People deserve to be punished and burned at the stake for what happened, but you, first of all, you have to temper. <laughs> you have to fit the punishment and the crime, and that's something they have always struggled with. You have to not punish the kids who are not there for the infraction. Uh, and to be I'm not so sure. I mean, I get where you're coming from as far as if somebody's going to be punished, it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. I'm not so sure that he's done anything worth being punished. Uh, so we'll... We'll continue. We've got the Michigan-Penn State game. We'll be able to touch on it briefly. It is going to be a part of the picks. We're going to get into some college basketball as well as the Detroit Lions with a big matchup this weekend here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WPCK.com. Madness 95.3 WBCK Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes newest sports talk show in the state of Michigan talking all things Michigan sports so we'll uh, quickly get through since we're still early season we're not going to be too deep on what's going on with the Red Wings and the Pistons but we will touch on and keep updated on what things are looking like with the Red Wings right now they are they're slipping a little bit they're two and two in the last uh, since the last time we talked about them uh, but that does include a very big win over the Bruins but a two not uh excuse me, a two nothing loss to Florida did kind of put them. Set back a little bit. They're seven and five, fourth in the Atlantic Division. Still very early on in a long season, obviously, but they still have their supporters. ESPN article, uh, kind of projecting what trends are going to continue, and they're actually very confident that the Detroit Red Wings are indeed a playoff team. And they're uh, looking at the the things that the things that uh, Steve Weiserman has done to kind of get this rebuild done quickly. I think you can uh, look at what Derek Lalonde is doing as a coach, and the fact that he He's got a lot of support. Obviously, the Detroit Red Wings are scoring at will in many of their games, especially those that they are able to win. Uh, you know, you can't win them all in hockey. I know Boston is kind of trying to prove that point opposite. I mean, but got, the one they, loss that the Bruins have are, are they two now? Because yeah, I, I well, see. The, oh, they, no, they have the overtime, overtime loss. Yeah, I, I gotta learn how to read records here. I got you. The, the, but one of the two losses that they have against the Detroit Red Wings, and that says a lot, I think, about where the Red Wings are. And this is when you want to beat Boston, since you don't have to deal with them later. Moving. To the Pistons, not well, the same story. One quick
2: thing on the Red Wings, real quick is go ahead. They're in a very good space. They're scoring a lot of goals. They're still toward the the top, if not leading the league and goal scored right now. I just don't feel like checking, to be honest. They're <laughs> top five but last time. I say, yeah, yeah. Like they're they're near the top still. And their biggest thing is they have to lose games in overtime. If you're gonna lose, lose in overtime. Yeah. Because you get points still. Well the problem and is that when they're
1: losing they're losing. They're losing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's my thing. Is
2: like you gotta find a way to score goals in games where you're losing so that you can lose in overtime and still get points rather than just losing. Yeah. And and but other than that they're in a very good trajectory and heading in the right space 100%.
1: Speaking of losing uh, Six-game losing streak for the Pistons. Uh, only one of those games even particularly close, and uh, that was— Hold on, hold on. Oh. That's that's not true. Nine-point loss to—
2: Okay, Portland. I'm not considering a nine-point loss. Twelve. I, 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 I need you to—I got to I gotta bring you back to the, the realm of basketball. That's nine, a... nine points is three buckets. That's not a blowout. 12 points is four buckets. That's not a blowout. Sure, threes are hard, but like that, those aren't blowouts. Blowouts are 20, 30, 40 plus. Like, these yeah, are, but those these, are rare. These are close games.
1: Okay. If you say so, I'll, I'll, I'll.
2: I'll say that I'll
1: concede a bit. The, the the Golden
2: State and Phoenix games are the closest you're getting to blowouts on here, and they're not even that bad.
1: Okay, I'll concede on that. Nonetheless, it's six games, it's six losses. Uh, yeah, two point loss to the Bucks, <laughs> and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Giannis got tossed out of the game. Uh, they're two and seven at the very bottom of the Central uh, standings in the East. Um, but we were talking leading into this, and you think this has something to do with coaching and and who's getting playing time?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is we've talked about chemistry and getting guys together and figuring out who works with who and and them learning each other and where they like to catch the ball, where they like to shoot, where they like the lobs, what kind of passes, all those kind of things. They're learning that when you take somebody away from that, it messes with their groove, it messes with the team's groove, it messes with that unit's groove, and Jay Nivey has pretty much been taken completely out of the Pistons rotation altogether. and like He's not playing anywhere near the amount of minutes he played last year, anywhere near the amount of minutes he started this season playing, and I get it. He's young. He's making some mistakes, but he's still a very high caliber player. Still a player that can average almost 20 points a game right now where he is. He may be in a slump, but that doesn't mean you take him out. You gotta give him a chance to, to get into his groove. That's the game of basketball. You go through ups and downs. It's a game of runs. Coach Monty Williams should know that. It's a game of runs. You're not going to play the best basketball every single day. Even LeBron James has, has periods of time where he's not scoring more than 25 points sure he's still got 22 he's got 18 and 10 he's you know he's doing everything else but he doesn't perform at his highest ability game in and game out for 82 straight games plus the playoffs that's ludicrous so you expect a 23 year old kid who only played one year in college one year in the nba to have that down pat i mean he's probably only 20 i think or something like that 22 he's he's extremely young and you expect him to just be able to come into the nba and be one two three like that's ridiculous it's ridiculous like coach Monty Williams has to give him time and the rest of these young guys time to acclimate into the NBA, learn each other's skill sets, learn how they like to play and become a team. This team is still learning how to play for each other and love each other. That's a big part of playing on a team. You got to love the guy you're playing next to. You got to enjoy doing it with them. And that makes you want to go harder. These guys are still learning that and taking time away doesn't make that better.
1: We'll see how uh, things continue to shape up for the Pistons as the season moves along again. Don't, I'm not trying to be overly critical over the six game line. I mean, And I don't anticipate that they're going to be, you know, several games above 500 towards the end of the season, but I think kind of the expectation is is that if they can gel, they should be in the play-in situation. Uh, So you just got to get to that point and and continue to grow in the meantime. You got players, you got dudes, just start to gel a little bit and find a groove, start winning some basketball games. All right, let's talk Lions. They have the Los Angeles Chargers. They're on the road this Sunday. 4.05 kickoff. They're out on the West Coast. The Lions are a three-point favorite. ESPN Analytics matchup predictor says is that the? Chargers evidently have a 59% chance of winning this game, which I think is uh, laughable. Uh, I guess there's a 0.4% chance that it's going to be a tie because the math on that thing isn't lining up. Nonetheless, um, Lions coming out of the bye week, Chargers have beaten up on two really bad offenses, uh, and I'm looking at the trends of what the Chargers are. All, uh, three of their four losses, they're four and four, three of their four losses against very good offenses. Uh, they've lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, um, and obviously their first game of the year, the Miami Miami Dolphins. They've really struggled against elite offenses. Their wins, week three against the Minnesota Vikings before their offense got on track, the Las Vegas Raiders, Chicago Bears, New York Jets. The Lions have one of the best offenses in the NFL and are getting healthy. Like, you you don't, you know, coming out of the bye week, Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy. Jameer Gibbs is healthy. Uh, I don't see David Montgomery on the injury report at the moment. Um, So, offensively, the Lions should be in a pretty strong position, I I think. Think here to uh, to come away with a pretty strong win over an AFC West team that thinks they might be feeling themselves, but I don't. I think that would be false confidence in LA. I just got mad. uh Oh, David Montgomery's back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that means less touches for
1: Jameer. I, I I don't know. I think Jameer has earned they, well, a they, significant portion of the touches with the way he's played. They said he's going to get
2: touches, but like that could also mean okay, we're going to give him five more touches, which only gives him sixteen. Where David Montgomery's got like. 30 some I, get, I, st- I, I would love I get to it. see that be 50-50, but I also get it. Yeah, David Montgomery is producing. So that's uh, the way that the I'm, I'm, Lions I'm, I'm want upset to play because it doesn't help me, right? Not because yeah. it doesn't help the Lions. Yeah, well, the, it just, the Lions are doing what is <laughs> smart for them. Yes, but Jameer is still. I mean, yes, he's gonna he's gonna get his touches, and hopefully he makes do with his touches. That's what I want him to do is make do with what he gets because that's what you know the NFL is about. Um, but realistically, like you said, it amazes me how bad the Los Angeles Chargers offense really is. They have so many pieces, yet with a defense that has Joey Bosa, Derwin James II, and Khalil Mack, they're four and four because their offense can't score a touchdown. It's just like the Jets. Well, I what, feel bad. Like the, this defense
1: <laughs> is literally being held hostage by an offense. Is it? Because I just told you about how they lost all these high powered offenses because they're letting up so many points. I mean, yeah, you can let up so many. Points. <laughs> and the like, only teams that can like, beat are teams that can't score against the worst defense. Okay, my thing is, right? <laughs> I only say this because
2: I'm a Green Bay fan. Sometimes your offense just has to score one more than your defense. the defense lets up. True. And this offense, sometimes when they get into those games where it's going to be a shootout, disappears. Like, I'm sorry. Er- every AFC West game that. should be a shootout. I agree. But instead, the offense doesn't show up. Like, the defense is doing its job. I'm sorry. Holding... Dallas to twenty points should get you a win. It should, yeah. No, I agree but with that. Because his offense, because their offense couldn't score one touchdown, it didn't happen. Like that's the biggest thing is what offense is going to show up for the Chargers. If they get a good offense. This is going to be a fantastic game. But if not, they're going to get mulled over by the Lions because the Lions are going to score the ball.
1: Aren't the I, I I see that they're missing um Joshua Palmer. Isn't uh Mike Williams out for the entire season for the Chargers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so their offense missing Corey Lindsley, their starting center this week, missing Mike Williams, obviously, for the entire year. Joshua Palmer just got put on IR as well. Uh, yeah, their offense is missing some pieces, but the fact that Keenan Allen, Austin Ackler are both healthy. Justin Herbert is a good quarterback, very talented one at that. They, uh, I think their left tackle is one of the best young left tackles in the NFL. Uh, Slater. There's really no reason that the Chargers should be this bad. Uh and honestly, I think this is going to look like a much better win for the Lions than it really is. I don't think the Chargers are a very good football team in their coaching. I I, I don't I don't believe there there's a disconnect between the talent and the production in L.A. and in Detroit that that is the complete polar opposite. Now it will be interesting to see because the last time the Lions were on the road, they got pounded by a team that we thought they could beat, and was one of the better talented teams but also one of the best coach teams in the baltimore ravens don't compare the ravens to the chargers i'm not comparing i'm saying the situation can be similar no, where no you no, are no. going across the country here to go play a team that you know you can beat and the last time you did that you got pounded So i think the
2: i think the fans thought the lions could beat the ravens i think the lions were going into that game knowing there's a possibility that they weren't going to win that game Oh well, yeah, I mean, that's the Lions, how you get destroyed like that. The Lions are realistic. The fans are not. The fans have been riding energy that they had never been able to ride. They think they can beat everybody right now. And I don't, I'm not saying they they I think the Lions I can beat any I, team in the NFL on any given day. Me too. Yeah. But <laughs> that's also what happens when yeah. you run into a team like the Ravens that are good.
1: The Chargers are not the Ravens. I think the Lions will go in and take care of business. The Ravens were also a little upset because, you know, they had uh, just lost to the Steelers in a game that they really should have won. Uh, Yeah, we'll wrap that up. Uh, Both of us, I think, in strong agreement, the Lions are going to win. So, again, the Lions aren't usually a a part of our picks just because it feels like they're going to win every game. And after this Lions game, uh, excuse me, after this Chargers game, this is where the schedule gets insanely easy. They're just going to rack up wins, and they're going to have 10 wins before you know it. Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears. Bears Broncos come on couldn't ask for anything easier and the Vikings uh, we'll see (laughs) we'll see how those how that book end of the uh, at the end of the season really works out all right we'll take a break come back and uh, we're going to talk college basketball for the first time here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK Detroit
0: sports fans Wolverines and Spartans alike this is your sports show Mitten Madness with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK.
1: Here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK, Jake Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Let's talk some uh, college basketball. And before I do that, I swear, I don't actually have a beef with Michigan State, DJ. But when the, I do. when I know you do. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I have sympathy towards Michigan because of bloodlines, but I ultimately do not care uh, as far as supporting one side of the rivalry or not. But the absolute hilarity of the Spartans football team getting its first conference win against Nebraska and then immediately turning around and losing to James Madison in the opening game of the college basketball season – when Michigan State is ranked number four, has a number, has a first place vote in the AP top 25, though not in the coaches poll, which might be interesting to, to kind of look back at. Uh, nonetheless, I the, the Michigan State Spartans were a team to be admired and to be uh, expected obviously to be in the national championship conversation. now of course, one loss. In a college basketball season, particularly a non-conference one, does not matter. Maybe uh, James Madison is you know, going to have the type of season where they're going to be in the tournament at the end of the year. Uh, James Madison Athletics, chef's kiss. They're pretty good. I don't think they can be. In basketball, yeah, they can.
2: No, because I, I think they're still in their period of... No, that's just football. No, it's not. There's no, no not. way. Yes. That's how FAU got in last year. Because the team that won their conference, Mary Mac, couldn't go to the tournament. But they didn't change yeah, divisions. Did. Mary and, Mac did change divisions. No, I
1: mean James Madison. But James Madison just went up to D one not long ago. But in in college basketball, all D one is encompassed. In in football, it's separated. FCS, FBS.
2: Yeah, but I I don't. We I,
1: we just call FCS programs oh, mid majors in no, college basketball. I'm aware they're still Division One. But I don't think. James Madison was always Division I. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, they Go didn't on. come up from Division II. Go on. Okay. Anyway, regardless, James Madison Athletics, chef's kiss. They're fun to watch. Their entire story is awesome and hilarious. Nonetheless, Michigan State loses a basketball game that they really should not have lost, uh, 79-76 to the Dukes. Um, Obviously, I think this is more of a situation of James Madison showed up than Michigan State you know, was sleepwalking at the beginning of the season. Uh, While that is certainly obviously still the case that Michigan state did not perform in the way that they were meant to Uh, DJ. Just quick reaction to the fact that the Michigan state Spartans, the number four team in the land are already. zero and one. It's just.
2: November madness. Like that's, (laughs) that's the only way to put it. Like, I don't think anybody else is going to get upset except LSU women's. They got upset too. Like, yeah, you know, it happens. But they also it's basketball. got They also got upset by a ranked team. So that's a little bit different, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Colorado was 20th in the country. James Madison is. Oh, look, TCU got blown out by Colorado, in their first home game after representing in a national championship in football. That was a blowout. I am not blown out, but Colorado was a team that won one game the year before. You see what I'm saying? It's just the yeah, fact that it's happened a th- lot. Th-
2: th- can we stop? Th- that's not a, a fair comparison. They're not getting primetime coming to coach at James Madison. Like They didn't just come get some all star coach to bring new players and a new scheme and everything. They're just being James Madison. And I think that's what's even better True. about this. I think they're fair. just being yeah. themselves.
1: <laughs> it's more about James Madison than it is about Michigan State. Yes, it's so much more about well, James I think Madison than
2: it is about Michigan State.
1: Michigan State's going to be a top seed five. at the top of the They're NCAA tournament. They're just fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with giving them a hard time for They're losing a game that they should have won. They're
2: going to win the Big Ten.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's fairly straightforward. Probably the regular
2: season and the tournament title. Michigan, you think State, so? Michigan State basketball is going to be good. The only one who's going to give them a run is Purdue. The...
1: Uh, Jay, Jay Bellis Bilis, however you want to pronounce his last name uh, full respect he's awesome uh, you know his, that was his number three team in the land behind Kansas and Duke so uh, yeah no, there's a there's little question the, the expectation is to get beyond a sweet 16 get beyond really an elite 8 and be a true contender this year uh, obviously early exits you want to rectify those as quickly as you can before things start to become a trend on the other side, your maze in blue. Coach Juan Howard enters his fifth season. Um, but he's not starting the season. He had the, the heart procedure, so there's you know, interim coach kind of situation here for the Wolverines, with um excuse me, Phil Martelli being the interim head coach. Michigan does handle business in their first game of the season, also a non-conference game, uh, but against the uh, mid-major, UNC Asheville, they win 99-74. to I got to say, as as an Alabama guy, the fact you guys got uh, graduate transfer, Mari Burnett, I think you guys are going to absolutely love him. Uh, just got kind of shuffled around in heavy recruiting classes down there in Tuscaloosa, but he's very talented basketball player. I think you guys are going to. Absolutely love him. Terrence Williams added 15 as well. Michigan isn't ranked yet. Uh, Jay Ballas had had the Wolverines as their number as his number 45 team, uh, number 45 ranked team heading into the season. That means they can make some noise, but they're not necessarily expected to be one of the elite programs. We've talked, you know, before we. Brought the show to the air. We talked a lot about Michigan basketball and the perception versus the reality of the program. DJ, number 45 is not good, and it's not n- anywhere near where I think Wolverine fans would like to see this program, especially after a couple of years of some elite playmakers being on the court, but a lot of other things not going their way on the back end in the recruiting scene. So the Wolverines in 2023 24, expectations reality
2: have none oh. so reality is going to be extremely fun because it'll just be what it is like there's some good pieces here right like we got 25 from Nakahua Doug McDaniel put up 22 like there there are pieces on this team that are going to do well but like we'll just have to see what we get out of them the biggest thing is we should have won a national championship in the last couple of years when we were there in that space and that would keep the recruiting high. And we just haven't done that piece. And that's what's has this team in jeopardy is we're not winning the games. We need to win when we're there. So can't say anything else that in the, in the NIL thing, cause like Michigan doesn't want to help in any way in the NIL scheme. So, that doesn't help, especially in college basketball, like we talked about a little bit earlier. It's slimy in the recruiting scheme. So whatever you can do to help kids in the NIL game is going to help you get the best players, and Michigan's not doing that.
1: Michigan does have a uh, easier schedule to open the season. Uh, St. John's is a mid-major school that's named, I recognize, so don't sleep on that one. Uh, things will pick up once Memphis comes to town on the 22nd, and then uh, heading into after the Thanksgiving break, Oregon on the road December 2nd I think that's a fun matchup as the Ducks prepare to get into the Big 10 next season and then uh conference play gets started right after that so should be a fun season if you do if you take C- uh DJ's suggestion there to just not have a ton of expectations and I think if you're a Michigan State fan keep your expectations just you know don't take week week 1 too seriously don't take the the first loss too seriously They're going to be completely fine, the Spartans are, by the time we get to the end of the season. All right, when we come back, it's our picks here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. Back here on Mitten Madness 95.3, WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Sean Hughes. We've got our picks coming up. I do you want to remind you real quick, the Michigan-Benz State game will immediately follow the morning edition of Mitten Madness here. Pre-game starts at 11 a.m. Kickoff obviously is at noon. So if you're listening to this on replay here at 9 p.m. on WBCK, which is a new thing, obviously that game is come and gone. So don't give us too much crap for this last segment having, uh, having some games that have already been played. That'll just be a new feature that you can incorporate here on the show. Let's get a quick recap. Where are we at, DJ? I think uh, I may have been able to catch up a game on you. You did last week. I went three and three. You went four and
2: two. That dropped me down to forty-two and eighteen, and you're forty-one
1: and nineteen. Ooh, one game back, just one. Ooh, that makes for a very interesting week this week. A lot of good games that we've got, though. I do feel like we might pick very similarly this week. Is there? Never- the intention. We just pick games that we think are close that it could go either way. This is very often that, that we are picking on the same side. Any other ideas maybe for, for what we're playing for here? I think uh, I'm kind of leaning on on the lunch thing. Here, here's a good idea. Let's throw this out here. Any restaurant that wants to sponsor our picks and be the restaurant that we go have a nice lunch and and the loser pays for this lunch at the end of the football season will restart after, I guess, the Super Bowl. Hit us up. Hit us up. We're about it. And if you know the restaurant that we should be doing, that, send it in the chat on WBCK's app. Let's get started. First game up down in the SEC and I think this might be the first real danger that Georgia has faced this year. The Ole Miss Rebels come to town and I think that is the, the worst part about this is that Georgia gets all their tough games at home. Uh, Lucky them. They are 10 and a half point favorites and Ole Miss didn't look very good against Alabama and Brock Bowers has been practicing but it's not clear of whether or not he will play in the game. But I'll tell you this, what little I've seen of Georgia, I'm starting to be a little bit of a believer in Carson Beck. I think he could stand to very well be much, much better than Stetson Bennett, which I think is a dangerous thing. Overall, I think Georgia is kind of hitting that stride of just feeling themselves. Like, yeah, we don't have all these names on defense, but we're still the Georgia Bulldogs, damn it. We're going to go out there. We're going to dominate. And I kind of admire it. But the Ole Miss Rebels, 8-1, and one, really kind of in the driver's seat. If they can win out and get a loss out of Alabama somewhere, which is totally plausible, they they could represent in the West in the SEC, and I think they can taste that a little bit. So big game for both parties, must win for Ole Miss. Obviously, Georgia wants to keep their high seed in the college football playoff picture. DJ, who wins the game? Home field advantage is so tough it in is. certain
2: places in the world. at San Stadium one of
1: them. Athens, <laughs> Georgia is
2: definitely one of those places. <laughs> I think Georgia finds a way to win a very close game.
1: It is prime time. I think that makes it interesting. I think that over under 58 and a half is also kind of interesting. That's a fun number to play with in that game. Bet responsibly. <laughs> I am going to go with Georgia too. I'm going to be a little bit boring on this. I would love to see the upset, but being one game back, I can't risk it. But I think Georgia wins, but I don't think it's nearly as, you know, remember a couple weeks ago I said emphatically they would blow out Florida. And I was right about that. Ole Miss, I think they can play with them. Next game up, sir. Going back to the NFL,
2: not a lot of college games worth talking about this weekend. Just the matchups aren't great. A lot of pretender matchups. I mean, we're, yes, plenty of those. <laughs> I am going to go with Saints Vikings. This is an interesting matchup especially because there may be a quarterback that may even get a little bit of PT in this game due to the fact that he was supposed to be traded to the Vikings and everything fell through. I would love to see James Winston get a few snaps and see what he does against a team that kind of just dropped out on him. Obviously Josh Dobbs is doing everything that he's going to be doing for the Vikings now that he's most likely to be their starter. This is just a big up and up when you look at this game. I want to say it's it's what two five and four teams that are yeah they're both five and four. I mean this is this might be a NFC wild card spot. Uh, and, I don't know about that with the Saints and, and and the Saints are fighting for the lead in their division still. They're still toward the top of their division right now. Well, this is the worst division in football. Yes, but this matters to them. And if the Vikings want to try and get into the playoff, this game matters to them.
1: It's low key a big game. No, the only team I like in the NFC South isn't performing as well as they should, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am not a believer in the Saints whatsoever. And I think the Vikings are an incredibly, incredibly coached, well-coached team. And I think Josh Dobbs just did more of what he was doing in Arizona. Arizona just didn't have the dudes. Even the backups backups in in Minnesota are better than what Arizona has. Uh, So it's kind of wild, but I feel very confidently. I don't see this as a 50-50 matchup. The score might be close, but I think the Vikings should win this game 99 times out of 100. I feel very confident that the Vikings will win this game. I like me some Josh Dobbs, too. This game on the matchup predictor is about as close as it can get. Yeah. 49.7 to (laughs) 49.9. Favor the Vikings, yeah. Like, this is crazy. And New Orleans is a three-point favorite on the road, which is wild to me. It
2: is. I think I have to go along with you in this one. I think the Vikings have just enough defensively to win this game. I think this comes down to a Vikings defensive stop more than it comes down to anything offensively.
1: Let's keep it in the NFL. I think this is a very fun matchup. In some universes, some people are confident confident enough to say that this is a Super Bowl matchup. Preview, potentially, the San Francisco 49ers on the road on a three-game skid go in to sunny Jacksonville, Florida to play the 6-2 Jacksonville Jaguars, who are in a uh, five-game winning streak, at the very least. And coming off of a tremendous amount of rest, DJ, this is their second game in 23 days. Their three-point dogs in this are the Jaguars, but they're healthy. They've been healthy. They've been playing impeccable football. I think they've hit a stride, whereas the 49ers have not, but still a very close game and the 49ers are favored. DJ, who wins this game down in Jacksonville? This might surprise you on who I go
2: with. I really like this matchup. Jaguars are feeling good about themselves. Very rested, very healthy. They've seemed to hit a stride offensively on how they like to run their offense and the cadence and pace that they go in. But the 49ers are good. They're still very good. Let's be honest here. They're on a skid, but they're still very good. And one thing they weren't when they were on that skid was healthy. They just went into the bye week and got healthy. Just about everybody on their offense is back. CMC is back. Debo is back. Brock Purdy's back. Trent Williams is still questionable. Sure, we'll take Trent Williams at questionable. I don't. That's a big deal still, but with all of the other weapons they have coming back healthy, fully healthy, I trust the 49ers offense to make something happen, along with what is still a very good defense in the NFL.
1: I think this is where we differ. I, it might be dumb of me, because San Francisco getting four losses is not what I expected at all. I expected a 14 or 14 and 3 team, um, but those losses to Minnesota and Cleveland, Jacksonville's a better team than both of those teams. And they're up there with Cincinnati in, in terms of momentum because of the wins that they have and the fashion by which they achieved them on top of the fact that they are so well-rested at this point in the season. All the momentum, all the rest, they're way healthier. One of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And they're at home and there's no pressure with it being a 1 p.m. kick. No, I want the Jaguars.
2: Moving on, Browns, Ravens, this is a, another game with two very good defenses, some decent offense, but Gross. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, I know how you feel
1: about this. <laughs> who
2: do you want to win this game? Who
1: do I want to win? And who do you think will? I want Cleveland to win the game because that helps the Steelers the most um, since the Steelers have a win over both teams, which is a very bizarre thing to to know as fact. But honestly, I th- I think the, the Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. And the Browns, that 27 nothing loss over Arizona on Clayton Toon Week, that doesn't mean a thing. I'm not a believer that Deshaun Watson is himself yet and I think that Lamar Jackson has hit a stride where he is playing like a, a true MVP front runner the running game in Baltimore is is nigh unstoppable their defenses lights out whereas Cleveland really all they've got is hoping Deshaun doesn't make things harder on the defense so I'm going to go confidently with the Baltimore Ravens I think they win and that six point line I think they even cover that I trust the Ravens offense more than the Browns offense and that's what this game comes down to for me moving on to the next one this is my last one and it is the game that will uh, kick off here in just a little bit at noon. The big noon kickoff. It is Michigan and Penn State. This is for the Michigan Wolverines 999th win in program history. The Wolverines are a four-point favorite. The over-under is 44.5. Penn State has lost one game. It was to the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is the first real significant test in Michigan's 2023 schedule, though as you pointed out to me a couple weeks ago, I think, uh, Michigan's schedule, not as easy as some people tend to think, but relative to what Michigan is, I think Michigan is head and shoulders above many teams. Are the Penn State Nittany Lions included in that? DJ, Who? Who wins the football game out at Beaver Stadium? This one comes down to the third quarter. Neither one of these teams have given
2: up a point in the third quarter up to this game, or yeah, up to this game. Michigan's 114 to zero in third quarter points. Penn State's 97 to zero. Team that wins the third quarter wins this game. The one person I trust in this world to be better at halftime adjustments than anybody else is Jim Harbaugh. Michigan wins the third quarter. Michigan wins this game.
1: The reason that I feel confidently the Wolverines will remain undefeated is because I trust the Wolverines offense more than I trust the Penn State offense. Say what you will about Drew Aller being 20 touchdowns, one interception. He did not look good against Ohio State. Now, granted, he gets to be at home for his next big matchup. J.J. McCarthy is experienced, though. This is Drew Aller's first first run-in with these types of things. The Penn State offense is a tad bit more suspect. I get it. They put up 51 on Maryland last week. You know, Michigan would do the exact same thing and, and probably worse. Plus, they wouldn't give up as many points. And I get it. Each game is a vacuum, but nonetheless I feel much more confident in Michigan at this stage. I think Penn State is still their little brother in so many ways. I don't think they can get this one done. Michigan wins. Number 999. And moving on. Last game of the week. Pinning ourselves against each other. <laughs> My
2: Green Bay Packers taking on your Pittsburgh Steelers. I said a little bit about how I feel about this game already. What's
1: going to happen? Both teams coming off of wins against subpar teams, right? Your Packers come in on a win of the LA Rams who were starting Brett Rippian, whatever that is at quarterback really doesn't give a whole lot of insight of what the Packers are Steelers get a win over Will Levis in his second career start on a short week I think the Steelers are getting better offensively but there's still some things that just don't make sense They can't put it all together right if Deontay Johnson is having a big game that means George Pickens isn't having a good game uh, if the running game is getting going it means that there's not enough time for the passing game to really get going it seems like the offense just doesn't have the ball long enough to do anything with it oh and by the way the Steelers are missing Mike Fitzpatrick and they they lost one of their best linebackers in Cole Holcomb. Alandon Roberts is on the injury report, as is Montrevious Adams, and there's a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball that really kind of give me a pause, just be, even though that's supposed to be the strength of this team. There's so many injuries on that side, kind of daunting. That said, I haven't seen a thing from the, the Packers this year that I have thought is good. It's very concerning that A.J. Dillon is the Packers' leading rusher because A.J. Dillon is not good at this anymore. He may have been at one point. It ain't now. Jordan Love has been pedestrian at best which is, I get how that sounds when he's matched up against Kenny Pickett this week. Not to mention this is a home game for the Steelers. Three and a half point favorites take the under in this game. These two teams are not scoring 40 points together. I promise you that. But I do think the Steelers will have more points by the end of the game. i also do as
2: well because I don't have a lot of faith in Jordan Love. I don't. I mean, he's done some nice things and he, and he has potential. But this year, I don't have a lot of faith in him. I think the Steelers defense does just enough to bother this offense. And like you said, with A.J. Dillon kind of being the lead back, as Aaron Jones is coming back from injury, it's it's not a good sign for this offense.
1: I just want to say, you know, a lot of people give Kenny Pickett a lot of crap. Jordan Love has twice as many touchdown passes as Kenny Pickett this season. Twice as many. Nobody's a believer in Jordan Love at this point. And Jordan Love is quarterbacking a worse team. Kenny Pickett is quarterbacking a team that is somehow five and three. And he isn't even able to get the ball to all of his main playmakers. Plus, his tight end, Pat Fryermuth, is out. No, I'm very confident. I think this is kind of where, where my team hits its stride and your team hits the kids and things are going to get real ugly for your Packers here uh, very very soon though I guess not as ugly as things get in Chicago but yeah that'll round us out recap on the, on the picks there I'm one game back DJ and we only have one game different yep we are both Georgia both Vikings both Ravens both
2: Michigan both Steelers I'll take the 49ers and you're taking the Jags
1: that'll be a fun game to keep an eye on there in the early window that's going to do it for us here today on Mitten Madness if you're listening in the early morning obviously here very shortly, the Penn State-Michigan game will be kicking off. Pre-game starts at 11. Big noon kickoff at noon, obviously, for Michigan's biggest test so far in the 2023 season. We will see you again next week as we do every Saturday at 10 a.m. here on Mitten Madness. If you missed the show, check it out on the Podcast Center in the 95.3 WBCK app.
0: Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.